The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. From days long ago, from uncharted regions of the universe, comes a legend. The dream that came through a million years, that lived on through all the tears. It came here, the Fandom Nexus. Fabulous secret powers were revealed to our host as he plugged in his microphone. I have a podcast! Here he is, your Spider-Pan, Jeremy. Hello, hello, hello. You know, part of me still feels like I need to uh, tell you to take a pixie out of your pocket and sprinkle the pixie dust around and think that happiest thought and fly away to Neverland. I mean, goodness, I was saying that for years, but I don't know. I feel like we've got a new direction here. Now it's the Fandom Nexus, and I guess we've said everything we need to say. This is where all of fandom, we get together and we enjoy various different fandoms. And it's the nexus of all realities right here, I guess. And <laughs> so we're all here. But hi! Yes, yeah, so I've been introduced. I am Jeremy, also known as the Spider-Pan. I might have to explain that to you. Some of you might be new around here. You might have been attracted by this uh, this brand new title that we have here. And so you might not know anything about me and why I'm known as the Spider-Pan. It is a possibility, right? So uh, one of these days we'll have to talk about that and how you can become an official Lost Boy or Pixie. Because, you know, we're still a Neverland type of show. So, you know, that's, it still holds valid. It's kind of what we've been doing for a long time. So, uh, but uh, yeah, we're going to get into the show. I've got a lot of fun things to talk about. It's just me this week, uh, but we've got a lot of things going on with uh, some stuff going on in the parks, uh, a lot of different things with some games and toys. And oh, by the way, this last weekend, the E3, you know, Electronic Entertainment Expo happened. And so there's a lot of new gaming news. I'm going to get into a little bit of that. Plus, we'll talk about Loki now on Disney Plus, which uh, I'm, I'm at the point where I've watched two episodes. So I'll talk about my thoughts on that series. Also, we'll get into a little bit of history of Loki and the TVA all here on this week's episode of the Fandom Nexus. So, all right. So the first things first, usually we like to go through and we talk about, you know, what have you been watching on Disney Plus? And of course, I suppose it's obvious I've been watching the Loki series. The review, of course, of that will come later. And also, uh, I I finally got caught up today on episodes of Star Wars The Bad Batch, which I've heard uh, say that it's pretty much like a, a new season of The Clone Wars. In a lot of ways, I think it is. It is. It just really seems to pick up after that final season and has just been continuing the story with uh, some new characters. And I'm still enjoying it. I'm still having a really great time with it. Uh, I really wish Philip could have joined me today because on the what have you been playing front, of course, I'm still playing Animal Crossing. I was super excited at the beginning, like last week or last show. I was talking about here as we began the month and we got into the summer season that it's like all this new stuff suddenly popped out, right? <laughs> you know, all these new items, you know, there were sharks to get to get fish out and catch and all these different new things. Well, I'm finding less and less sharks are available now for me to catch. And I'm, I'm kind of running into that spot where I'm getting into that same rut where almost like, okay, well, here we are. You know, I'm catching more sea bass. I'm still having some fun playing with it. And I saw I've, I've been developing my island. And, uh, and now that I've had the KK Slider concert, I've got the ability to set up sidewalks a little easier. And so pathways going on my island. And so I'm kind of developing the island. And I'm up to, uh, I think, a total of 10 residents here on the island. Well, at least 10 homes, uh, including my own. Of course, you do still have uh, uh, Timmy and Tommy Nook who have their little store. You got Tom Nook and Isabel who have the residential or help center right there in the middle. Uh, yeah, Tom Nook is apparently the one in charge, although I'm the one doing everything. I feel like I'm running the show. Uh, and then, of course, we do have the Taylor shop over there with the Mabel sisters, or the Abel sisters. I think Mabel was the name of the main one. Uh, the hedgehogs or porcupines, whichever they are. But yeah, I've been enjoying that. And uh, so we have all these different residents and, of course, them in there in the shop. And I think I've got as many people living on the the island as needs be. So now I can kind of get creative and, you know, set up little areas around the island. And one thing I have discovered 
I now have a red corner, a blue corner, and a neutral corner. So with two neutral corners and a red and a blue corner, I've set up a little, uh, well, I guess a boxing ring or a wrestling ring. I'm more of a wrestling fan than a boxing fan. Uh, but I've set up a ring, and I've got a little luchador uh, bobblehead sitting next to it. I've got a ring bell nearby. I even put a, uh, a weight bench nearby it and a, a fighting game, arcade game <laughs> nearby the area and even a DJ table up at the top of it. So it's kind of a fun area. The unfortunate thing is you can't climb in and out of the ring because it's just like an object that's there. Uh, but it's kind of neat to have it there. I just wish I could do something with it. And then, of course, now every Saturday, KK Slider has a concert and I get benefits if I show up over there and attend a concert. And I, if I only request that KK Slider plays the song that he picks out, then I get a new song that I can add into my registry on every music device that I have, which I have been finding some of my characters are now singing along if they come near, because I have some stuff out in the open. Over the DJ booth, I've seen some characters come by and they'll just dance. I've, I've got a series of stalls that are supposed to be set up like they're selling coffee or whatever, and I have a, a record player and some speakers kind of in the middle of it, and I've seen one of my characters go over that and start singing along with the song that was playing. Uh, so it's kind of fun watching everybody interact with that. So I'm still having fun with the uh, Animal Crossing. And I've got all but one fossil. And I'll have all my fossils in the museum on that. So I'm still enjoying that. Um, but I wish Philip was here because I wanted to talk about this uh, this deck builder game that I found. And it's just, it's, I guess it's just generally a DC Comics deck builder. I got it at a garage sale along with this Justice League strategy game. I don't know how many years ago this came out. But this deck builder, Philip and I finally got a chance to sit down and play it. And my goodness, it was a whole lot of fun. And it's super creative. Uh, the, the basic idea is you, you start, everybody starts out with a small deck and you have, you know, punches which give you a plus one power. And then you have some vulnerabilities which give you nothing. And every round you're, you're going to draw a hand of things. And then whatever power you have, you use that to purchase something you add to your deck. Which could be a minor villain or uh, some gear or a power or something like that. And your overall goal is to collect these supervillains. And once all the supervillains are gone, or if you run out of decks, uh, uh, cards for the uh, deck of where you're trying to purchase from, the game ends, and then you count up these victory points you get on each card. But you're trying to defeat these supervillains, because they're the most valuable one. And I found it really, really fun and creative. Uh, the game says that Ra's al Ghul, or Ra's al Ghul, whatever you want to call him, uh, he is always on top of your supervillain deck. So he's the first villain you, you get to battle. And his fun ability with that card is when you win that card, you don't, you never discard him. You just put him back on the bottom of your deck. So he's like Lazarus pitting and recycling himself every time. Uh, but all the cards have like these neat creative things that, in their own way, bring their powers into the game in a very believable way. Uh, I really have like. I was geeking out over it. I really was. I had a really good time. And I wish Philip was here to talk about playing the game with me, but he, he wasn't able to join me today, and neither was Eric. So uh, it's just me. So also, I have continued playing Red Dead Redemption 2, and I still need to make a video talking about my love-hate relationship with that game. Uh, I was having a lot more fun over the weekend getting a chance to play it. I, I mainly seem to get to play a little bit over the weekends on that one. And I'm, I'm having a lot more fun. I think th a lot more things went right. I didn't have any weird physics problems. Uh, and I'm kind of getting used to doing a story mission suddenly makes me the bad guy again. But I'm trying to do as much good as I can. But for every time I do a good thing, like I help a guy who's got snake bit and it gives me some good points, something bad happens, even though I you know, I don't know why I have to take the blame. I mean, I had a guy who was, he was just out on the beach and he's sitting next to a fire, and I just thought I'd walk over there, you know, say hello. I needed to rest my, my horse and everything anyway. So I thought, well, let me go over and talk to this guy. And well, as I walked over, he got all antsy, and he pulled his gun, and I hit a button. A dialogue choice kind of thing to say, you know, diffuse the situation. And I, well, okay, never mind. He doesn't want me here. So I was I was turning around, I was walking my to my horse. And as I'm getting on the horse, he takes a shot at me. So I turn around, and I gun him down. Now, guess what happens? I get a negative point. It's like I did something bad. I didn't do anything bad. I, I, you know, I just defended myself. So, yeah, so there was a lot of odd things that happened. I've even had one of these rival gangs that were, um, they were trying to free one of their buddies, and I went and uh, I, I tried to help the uh, law enforcement that was keeping him in the uh, the wagon. I ended up killing all the gang members, and then I went ahead and just shot the guy in the uh, <laughs> that they were trying to rescue anyway. Because I figured, because he was like, oh, I'm going to go tell the authorities all about you. And I'm like, no, you're not. Boom. 
because uh, last thing I needed was something else that was going to make me seem like a, a bad guy. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm still having fun with that game, but it's very, very odd. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to play through I'm going to finish that one. But yeah, Animal Crossing still taking most of my daily time when I get a chance to sit in game. I definitely play Animal Crossing. But anyways, let's get on with a bit of news. Spanning the Disney and Geek Universe to bring you the best in comics, toys, movies, and entertainment. This is news from around Neverland. Well, one of the biggest things that, that happened for uh, those of you who you still listen in for some Disney Parks news from me is you are not uh, not required to wear a mask anymore. Especially, of course, you know, you're vaccinated. They're wanting to make sure everybody's vaccinated, I figure. Uh, but you can go to the parks without wearing a mask outdoors. But when you get onto a line or you go indoors somewhere, they do want you to still wear a mask when you're in close proximity to other people. Well, that's, you know, we're seeing some restrictions Loosen up a little bit in Walt Disney World. Uh, I have heard that Disneyland uh, may have also done the same thing. Uh, starting on, I believe, the 15th. Like uh, As I'm recording, that would have been yesterday. Uh, so uh, you know, apparently that is moving along, and we're slowly getting those restric- restrictions changed. And I think even very soon, they are going to let outside residents, so you don't have to live in California, in order to go to Disneyland. So that is coming up very, very soon. Something else I came across, Bob Gurr, Imagineer, Disney Imagineer, and uh, I've, I've seen some videos even on YouTube where his name has popped up on working a lot of different uh, animatronics for movies, I think even for Universal. Bob Gurr has just done about everything, but he is turning 90 this year, and Phantom Productions is having a 90th birthday luau on Saturday, September 25th at 7 p.m. out in Anaheim, California at the Highway 39 Event Center. Now, this is expensive. $175 will get you general admission, and there are 50 available $260 VIP admissions. And let me read for you on the website what it says. It says, Aloha, come and celebrate 90 years of genius honoring American icon and design pioneer, legendary Disney Imagineer Bob Gurr. Set in the backdrop of beautifully restored classic vehicles, guests at this unforgettable celebration will enjoy a luau-style buffet and a Polynesian dinner show, an ode to Disneyland's Tahitian Terrace. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of different fun stuff. There's a lot more to read about there that you can find at all fandom production slash Bob's dash 90th dash birthday dash luau. Uh, and it's even hosted by YouTube personality and star of Random Land Adventures. Justin Scard is actually going to be the MC for this thing. Man, I don't know how he landed that gig, but that is awesome. I think it's because he has met Bob Gurr. I think he's got some videos he's done with him. Um, Ooh, look at this. There's a limited edition uh, 90 18 by 24 print on canvas, $360. It's a really neat kind of a piece of artwork here uh, by, I guess, Hayden Evans is the name of the artwork. And it's got Bob in the middle with a 90, and it has Abraham Lincoln, and, of course, a lot of vehicles. Looks like there's uh, sort of a representation of the Haunted Mansion. It uh, doesn't quite look like the Haunted Mansion, but there's definitely Disney Castle. Uh, you can see the monorail on here. Just a lot of different attractions represented here. Oh, oh look, Adventures in Inner Space even representative. Uh, but is at, it's, at, it's available for purchase at time of checkout and only available for pickup on the night of events, September 25th. Uh, so, yeah, if you're going to manage to be in that area, this would be a really kind of fun little event to attend. I in no way can afford it. And uh, I'm not going to be able to be in California at that time, I figure. Anyway, uh, other things going on. So Master of the Universe Revelations, uh, we did get a a trailer. And, of course, we'll go to the trailer park later and we'll discuss that. But, you know, you know what? That's I think it's the only thing I have listed for the trailer park. I mean, we did have an Eternals trailer, and I forgot to mention anything of it. Uh, it was pretty cool looking. I don't know anything about the Eternals at this time. So, I was, you know, I wouldn't have had much to say about it other than that. Well, that looked cool. And I was kind of confused. I didn't know exactly what was going on. Uh, I think when I watched it, I might have been... Uh, I don't know if I had the sound up, because I remember watching it... Um, Oh, somewhere I I was busy doing something else. And I just kind of looked over and was kind of looked at it, but I don't know if I actually turned up the sound. I should probably watch the whole thing sometime. Uh, but I'll go ahead and talk about this trailer thing now, so instead of going to the trailer park. But we had a trailer for Masters of the Universe Revelations last week, and it looked fantastic and amazing. The animation looks good. The style of it is very cool. It's nice to see this all going. But now here's the interesting thing. 
I did see Kevin Smith uh, put a video up on YouTube, and he was talking about, you know, this seems to be, he, he's tried to deny it before, but the way he talks about it, it seems like this is very focused around Tila, and I've even seen, and I don't know how legit this is, but it seemed to be legit from Netflix, given a synopsis of the story, that after a cataclysmic battle, the power sword is lost, and all of the heroic characters have been scattered, and it's up to Tila to bring everybody back together and locate the power sword. So it sounds like this is a very Tila-centric series. At least it's going to start that way. And I don't know if this will be a continuing series. We'll get more than one season. I really don't know. Uh, but there's been a lot of people very concerned about that. You know, it's like, hey, you know, it, it's this is a He-Man series with no He-Man. And I can see where you'd come from that. I want, I'm want. i still going to check it out. I mean, it's Masters of the Universe, and I still enjoy Tila, and I would like to see her ascension becoming uh, the Sorceress. And Kevin Smith was talking about how when you go to the opening, because he's still branching, and it's like a continuation of the old Filmation series. But in the opening, three only three others knew the secret that Prince Adam was He-Man, and Tila wasn't one of them. And so I guess in the first episode, Tila's going to find out, and not because somebody told her, but she's going to witness something. She probably is going to see him transform or something like that, I guess. Uh, now, my thought would be she might be upset that she was not let in on the secret. That might be part of it. And you'll have to excuse me. I'm taking a drink every once in a while. So she might be pretty upset about that. And that might create some interesting character dynamics. I don't know. But I guess some time is going to have passed because the designs we see of Tila later, she's wearing a different outfit. She's got a different hairstyle. She's actually standing there with Evil Lynn. Not sure what that's about. But I think uh, Skeletor is going to have one. And there's even a Skeletor figure. And I think I've mentioned this before. It's God Skeletor or Skelegod. And he seems to have the power sword. So I think it's going to be very, very bad what's going to happen. But I expect to see by the end of this Tila, you know, taking her place as the sorceress and He-Man making a return. It has also been noted that characters are able to make contact with each other. Because, you know, the old Filmation, they, you know, He-Man was never punching anybody. <laughs> you know, he could grab Beast-Man and he could toss him or something. But uh, there wasn't any punching or, you know, like fighting, fighting, you know. Uh, that seems to be a different case this time. So uh, this is supposed to be more aimed more at uh, all of us who grew up watching Masters of the Universe or collecting Masters of the Universe in, in some fashion. And so we're we're adults and we can handle it, right? So there will be later on a He-Man and the Masters of the Universe series, a computer animated on Netflix that is aimed for the kids, and so the kids will enjoy that. Um, one thing I did find also interesting, I had heard something about this, but I hadn't seen it yet, but I was watching a Pixel Dan video, and they have these little um, miniatures, macro miniatures. Now, I'm not talking about the, um, oh, there's a, a certain particular toy line that's... Um, Reminds me of Lego a little bit, but you put together little tiny versions of figures that are posable, and you can put together vehicles, and those are actually fairly expensive even. But this is as an exclusive to the Dollar Tree store, and they're little miniature figures that are pre-posed. They're like little statues, and they so far they only have, I believe, five of them. There's a He-Man, a Skeletor, a Merman, an Orko, and a Man-at-Arms. And uh, those are apparently out at Dollar Tree stores. I went and looked at on the website for the Dollar Tree, and for $24, you can buy a case of them, uh, which I guess then you could resell the other ones, I suppose. So, uh, which, speaking of reselling stuff, uh, I did actually resell something on eBay, and I have been looking for different revenue streams because I'm I'm still struggling at things. Uh, but I am, uh, you might want to look into this. Uh, maybe somebody can help me out with this. I am auditioning to do some audiobooks, and if I get to do some audiobooks, I will tell you about it here. And so you can go, and if you would be interested in any audiobooks that I read, you can come and check it out. I will let you know about the books, because the book sales will, of course, help me to get paid for recording these audiobooks. So I'll appreciate it if I get to do a book if you purchase some. They will be available on Audible. Uh, so far, I'm just working with Audible. There are other uh, publishers I may look into, but right now I'm just doing Audible. I just need another revenue stream, because uh, things are very tight. I'm still just working part-time in, in radio right now and, and two different part-time jobs, but the other one is not quite fanning out. But anyways, I'm not here to talk about my troubles. I don't want to bring the show down. Let me just continue going. Something else that was really awesome, and it's too bad Philip's not here with me because Philip is the one that really got me into the, this cartoon, Silverhawks. Did y'all watch Silverhawks? I like to joke that this was Thundercats in space. It was a Rankin-Bass cartoon, and Super 7 has recently announced that they're bringing the first wave of Silverhawks Ultimates figures, which, of course, will include Quicksilver, 
uh, Steelheart, Monstar, and his robot henchman, Buzzsaw. And there are some pictures up on the Super7.com website. You can get a look at Steelheart. Steelheart was the uh, the female. And these are really neat. I mean, you've got like a basic figure. You've got a, a, a swappable head that has, you know, where they would they would flick a mask down. They would flick over their face, and the mask would be like come down for their flight. And uh, now the old figures, they'd have kind of a cloth wings that would, would clip onto their wrists, and you would you know pinch their legs together, and their their arms would come up, you know, and it'd be like spreading the wings. This actually has some interchangeable arms where if you want their wings, you can swap out from the shoulder. And so they're mainly more opposable. Uh, I do see Steelheart does come with Tally... Oh, no, maybe Quicksilver comes with Tally Hawk, but Steelhawk comes with... Uh, Steelheart comes with some sort of hawk as well. I don't recall that hawk. It has been a very long time. Buzzsaw looks very, very, very cool. Of course, he has a, uh, a couple of different heads he's coming with, one with a mouth open. Uh, he comes with some sort of hawk as well. And then Monstar. Oh, my goodness. Monstar looks great. Uh, I would almost expected a, a swappable head with Monstar, because if you might recall, very similar to Mumra, he had like this spell or whatever he cast on himself to change himself into the full Monstar, but he was otherwise just this weird guy with his crazy hair. And I remember the old toy had a flippable head to where you would turn him from one version of Monstar to the spiky-headed Monstar villain. Uh, but these look very, very cool. Uh, I'm not entirely sure when these are going to be made available. Uh, it says to be expected in later 2021 and beyond. It has a description. Silver Hawks has a, was an animated television series developed by Rankin Bass Productions in 1986, intended as a space-based equivalent of their previous series, Thundercats, like I was saying. A total of 65 episodes were produced, leaving behind a cult following ear for more, partly metal, partly real heroes. Uh, it was a great show. I did really enjoy it. So I'm pretty excited about those. I bet those Super 7, it's going to be a bit expensive. So be prepared to uh, really shell out some money. McDonald's is going to have Luca toys. Now, I don't know when there's going to be available. Let's see. But there are eight different toys with three of the main characters from the film. Luca, Alberto, uh, and... I don't know how to pronounce this, but it's Giulia and Massimo. There are two versions of Luca and Alberto, a swimming pose and a color-changing variant. I guess the color-changing variant would be that, you know, you could make them look like when they're turning into their, their fish monster forms or sea monster forms. There is also, on the Happy Meal app, there's going to be some activities. And there's coloring sheets on the Happy Meal website. Uh, Luca is coming out. Uh, Friday, the 18th of June. Actually, oh, golly, that's this Friday. Uh, so, of course, I will have a review for you on that one. Uh, and it does have, I bet the toys are probably available at McDonald's even right now. If they're not there right now, they will be there, I'm sure, by next week. So you can collect one of these little Luca toys uh, by visiting McDonald's and getting a Happy Meal or just purchasing, purchasing the toy directly. The fifth Indiana Jones film is uh, in production. We're right now we're in the second week as I record this. Now I have uh, learned a couple of things. I think they're filming around in England right now, but it's being directed by James Mangold. Uh, this is the guy he directed Logan and also Walk the Line, which I mean he's really good at doing some various serious type of movies, and you know he's done some action there with Logan. The thing is, you know, I I, I want to wait until I see something. But, you know, Spielberg, without Lucas and Spielberg on these, I worry for what we get for Indiana Jones. Granted, last time they, they gave us an Indiana Jones film, they gave us Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which we don't talk about. It doesn't exist. <laughs> Even though if I have video evidence of me being there because I was filming because I was about to go away on a honeymoon trip, uh, or an anniversary, rather. I had been married five years. My wife and I went out to that, and then the next day we left out of town. And I got video of us out in the parking lot hanging out because it's on my birthday. And uh, we went on my birthday to see that movie. And it, there's still some good stuff about it. Uh, it's just the overall, really, that's what it is? You know, it's kind of bad. Uh, so, But James Mangold is a good director. I just don't know, can he recapture what Steven Spielberg and George Lucas did? Because they were drawing from stuff they'd enjoyed when they were younger. I mean, mainly like George Lucas. Yeah, And I think we spoke about this last week, how he really tapped into the old serials he used to like to view when he was a kid. 
and James Mangold, I don't know how old he is, but I don't know if he has that similar experience or can he at least tap into having experienced the Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, uh, and the Nan Jones films as maybe when he was young. And what about those he enjoyed and to bring that to life? So I'm hoping he does manage to recapture that. But if they don't have a John Williams score, they're, it's just going to no be good. No be good. That's, I, that's a bad sentence structure, but it's just, you know, it's just going to be missing something. Other thing that I saw this week, Loki Charms. Yeah, that's right, you heard me, Loki Charms. This is supposed to be out in stores. I haven't seen it yet, but I haven't seen that. Uh, there's a Ghostbusters serial that's been put back out for for Ghostbusters Afterlife. I haven't seen that serial out there. I haven't seen Loki Charms. But basically it's Lucky Charms, but Loki has taken it over. That'd be worth keeping the box. <laughs> you know, it's a very, very neat box. Speaking of box, I just realized I... Uh, I think my Patrick Mahomes box of uh, Patrick Mahomes cereal is missing. I don't see it up on my desk. It must have fallen down behind. Anyways, <laughs> sidetrack. But yeah, I would probably keep the box as it's really neat artwork that I've seen in pictures of uh, Loki drawn in a very lucky style, I guess. You know, Lucky the Leprechaun. He's kind of stylized like that. Uh, so it's very cool, very neat. I, I, I would probably keep the box after I eat the cereal. And yes, I would probably eat the cereal because, yes... Something else that I found out, I guess this came out from last week, and, you know, some people may be a little nervous about this, but, you know, this this might not be such a bad thing. Rob Zombie has confirmed to The Hollywood Reporter that he is directing a reboot of The Munsters. Now, uh, this is going to be a reboot movie. Now, there have been attempts at making a Munsters reboot a television series. Um, I think even somebody, you know, they've done some TV films, but they've never quite seemed to recapture everything of the, of the monsters. Uh, there's a description here. The monsters was a 1964 sitcom about a family of friendly monsters who relocated from Transylvania to an American suburb. The show ran for just two seasons, along with similarly premised spooky comedy, The Addams Family. Yet despite their brief runs, both shows cast a rather long shadow over popular culture in the decades since. Now, The Addams Family has been rebooted again uh, with an animated film that I didn't see because it didn't really look very good. <laughs> I, I must say, I really didn't. Uh, it didn't appeal to me from the look of it. But a lot of people, because, okay, when you consider Rob Zombie has done, you know, House of a Thousand Corpses, The Devil's Rejects, and he rebooted Halloween, he's known for a very gory, uh, highly eviscerative um, horror films. And this is the Munsters. Now he would he would have the sensibilities to, I think to do the Munsters. I've never seen him do anything with comedy because this should be fun light it should be light and funny and, and really reflect what the Munsters were. The Munsters didn't realize that they were horrible. The Adams family, you know you know especially when they when they rebooted in the movie, they kind of acknowledged they were horrible people, but they thought everybody was like them, I guess, or something. The Munsters just figure everybody else is just ugly. They're just, they're just not as good-looking as we are, and our poor poor niece in Maryland is just not as pretty as we are, but that's okay. They had a different sentimentality, but they didn't realize that they were weird-looking to us, to, to regular people. They just, you know, tried to fit in, and that was part of the comedy. And, you know, Rob Zombie, I could see his sensibilities and his style really making something interesting of this, but, you know, there is, I understand those who would be concerned that he would make, he's, he's more of a horror guy. And so he might go too far. So hopefully he strikes a good balance uh, to bring in the comedy. But of course, he's directing it. He is not writing the script. So uh, another thing we've got, and I hope I'm saying her name right, Issa Rae uh, has just joined the cast of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse sequel. She will be playing Spider-Woman. She is an actor, a writer, producer, a director, and executive. Uh, so... She's been in something called Insecure, which I've not heard of before. Uh, but, you know, you've got a lot of returning characters. Uh, uh, Shemek, I don't know if I can say his name, Shemek Moore, who uh, who played Miles Morales. Haley Steinfeld's playing Gwen Stacy again. Uh, so we got a lot of the returning cast. I'm not sure exactly who is uh, going to be the villain, but we do still have Phil Lord and Christopher Miller as writing a screenplay. So... This, you know, should be just as much fun as the original. Uh, but it'll be nice to see how they handle Spider-Woman. Spider-Woman could be 
a villain for the part of it if you just kind of introduce the character because she was uh, part of a Hydra thing at one point, uh, and then she could become a hero by the end. Uh, oh, and I, I should pull up my Twitter account real fast. I actually just saw that there was some new casting for uh, the She-Hulk series. She-Hulk is coming to Disney Plus very soon, and I did see that there was some casting announced uh, from the British Glamour magazine. Jamila Jamil uh, is going to be playing Titania, and they already do have... Uh, you would know her, I guess, if you watched The Good Place. Apparently she is on there. Uh, but they already do have people cast as uh, She-Hulk herself. Let's see here. Yep, described as a comedy, the show's head writer is Jessica Gao of Rick and Morty and will be co-directed by Kat Corio, single parents, and Anu Valia. Never have I ever. So it should be, they're expecting it to be very funny. Um, but there we go. It is Orphan Black's Tatiana Maslany will be playing Jennifer Walters, who becomes gets the super strength and green skin after a blood transfusion she gets from her cousin, Bruce Banner, the Hulk. So Jennifer never loses her cool. And according to the comics, she's always the She-Hawk, even during the day when she's doubling up as a lawyer, which is recent. Uh, when she first became She-Hawk, she was very much out of control, uh, and she's learned to, to gain the control, and she's now learned to even control over her transformation, so she just prefers to stay as She-Hawk all the time. But uh, that was not the way it started, so I don't know where we're going to dive into with this series. Or aiming a comedy, which they've always had some fun with She-Hulk and had a few laughs with her. She's always been a fun character. I've got a few issues, and it's it was quite funny. I have enjoyed it. So something else that I saw this week. So IMAX is F9. That's, I believe, Fast and Furious 9. Uh, but it's F9. The IMAX version is going to have an extended preview of Jurassic World Dominion. I got this on a tweet from Sam Neill. So if you're interested in Jurassic World Dominion, well, you know, go see F9 in an IMAX theater. You'll get an expanded preview. Of course, I'll just wait for a regular trailer to be online, and I'll just watch that. I'm probably not going to see the movie because uh, for those of you who have been with the show a long time realize that I did not like the second Jurassic World movie. Uh, they did some really, really dumb things with that film, and I'm out because the premise of the third film is really going to continue off the stupid decision made at the end of the second movie that was entirely stupid. So I'm not watching. I'm just not. I'm I'm done. In my opinion, you watch Jurassic Park, you watch Jurassic World, and you skip the other films all together. All right. So E3, I mentioned, happened over the weekend. And here's some things that I didn't know about that popped around. There's a Guardians of the Galaxy role-playing game coming from Square Enix. Yeah. And I looked. I got to see some game footage online. It looks like it's going to play very similar to the Final Fantasy VII remake with you know, live combat. And you get to call in the other Guardians uh, and to do various different attacks. You get some dialogue choices that will change and affect the story. And this is, of course, using all the characters you would know from the films. But this was written by a comic book writer. An award-winning writer at that. I forgot the guy's name. I'm sorry. Uh, but it's based around the comic book iterations of these characters. So the look of them is not going to be, we're trying to look as much like the movies as we can. They're, they're just trying to look like the comic book versions. But this looks really, really cool. It is coming out later this year. Also coming, I think even sooner than that, is the Black Panther expansion. Uh, a whole Wakanda storyline for the Avengers game that Square Enix put out to... Uh, Let's just say it hasn't been a great the response that I guess they expected. Uh, those of you who have listened for a while will know I I did try to play it. I got bored. I really did. I got so far up to the point where I got into the main portion of the game where you're going to do these particular particular missions where you go for this table and you pick a mission, you go off and do it where it would have interacted to be in an online thing, and it wasn't as much fun. It just like wow, working my way to this point was more fun than this. And I really, I you know, I've lost my 90 days that I was going to get to play that for free. So I, I'm just, I'm not going to buy it, that's for sure. Uh, so I'm probably not going to be playing the rest of that. And I, I was having more fun with Red Dead Redemption 2 and Animal Crossing, really. So, yeah. Also, uh, probably it's going to be an Xbox exclusive because Bethesda is an, a Microsoft company now. But they've had uh, something called Starfield, which I've seen just a little bit. And this, they said, this is almost going to be like Skyrim in space. Uh, it looks really, really cool. I don't know much about it. This was sort of a new thing, uh, but this is one of the things they're expecting to be very, very, uh, very cool. Nintendo had a heck of a showing. They're bringing back Monkey Ball. I think they're like remastering it 
uh, in a collection, if I'm understanding what this is supposed to be. But some sort of monkey ball game is coming very, very soon. But I also found out The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD, July 16th, is coming to the Nintendo Switch. Uh, I do intend to pick this one up. I do own a copy of it for the Wii, but I never finished it. I, I was not good with motion controls, and I was, was like, well, maybe one day they'll put it on the Switch, and I'll have an opportunity to play it without motion controls. Well, this seems to be my opportunity, so here it comes. Now, I'm hoping Twilight Princess gets moved over. I love that game. Uh, I still have it on my GameCube uh, downstairs, but you know, the GameCube connects to a television very differently from uh, the HDMI cables that my television requires me now. And I do have an adapter, but it doesn't quite look good through the adapter playing my GameCube. So, and I would like to get, you know, I know they they remastered and put an HD version of Twilight Princess out for the Wii U. And I figure, okay, well, just, can we just bring that version over to the Switch, please? Because I'm not going to buy a Wii U. Thank you very much. Uh, but there were some other things they announced with Nintendo, and I was watching a video about it today. And now I completely forgot what it was I had been looking at. Uh, but let me go. They had a video. If you have a Nintendo Switch, you can go into the news, and they have a. You can even watch this on YouTube. Nintendo Direct, all the E3, but Metroid Dread, and they had a trailer for this. This they're calling it like Metroid Five because I guess Metroid Four was Metroid Fusion, which was a handheld game only. So I've never gotten to play that one. But Metroid Dread goes back to the roots to a 2D. Although it looks very good and has some 3D cutscene stuff. But it's a platforming style game in the tradition of, of classic Metroid. Although they do say the Metroid Prime um, series is not gone. Okay, they're going to do some more Metroid Prime. Uh, also, they had a nice trailer for the sequel to Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. And that looks very, very cool. I think I will definitely have to check that one out. They've also mentioned Kazuya from Tekken is joining Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Which I need to get a copy of that one. <laughs> I, I actually do not own that one. Uh, also, there's going to be Super uh, Super Mario Party. I guess it's just the Mario Party Superstars game, which they're collecting the Nintendo 64 games together, and you're going to be able to play online with Mario Party. So Mario Party Superstars. A lot of neat things coming out from Nintendo, and I've had a lot of people saying, oh my goodness, I think Nintendo won E3. Other things I've seen, and this will be on the Nintendo Switch as well, and Diablo 2 Resurrected. As far as I can tell, this seems to be a remastered, remade version of Diablo 2, which is good because I never got to play that one. Uh, also, Far Cry 6 was shown. Uh, I have only played one Far Cry game. I played three? Yes, I played three. And I had some fun with it. It's definitely more grown-up oriented. There's some language and things in that game that I must say. Uh, but yeah, I did. it was a pretty cool game. Uh, but 6 is on the way. I need to play 4 and 5 before I can play 6. It might be a while, be a while before I get there because I do have, uh, you know, Red Dead Redemption 2 I'm trying to finish and some other games I want to play. And I have been encouraged that I really need to sit down on uh, Fallen Order, Star Wars Fallen Order. Uh, plus, I you know, I never finished Kingdom Hearts. I got stuck on that one a long time ago, and I just walked away from it. <laughs> uh, I, I wasn't having as much fun with that game as I thought I would. It's still pretty neat because it's all the Disney characters. Uh, and I would like to go and play that. And I do have that collection. It's got like the first two games plus all these mini games. And then if I get through that at some point, I can play Kingdom Hearts 3, which really also looked awesome. But yeah, I got a lot of things I really need to get into. Uh, but I do also have a list of all these different things that were announced. There's some sort of an Avatar Frontiers of Pandora game coming out, which I guess we can mention here because it's a Disney thing, right? Sure we are. Uh, Back for Blood is going to be released uh, October 12th. Now, my thought with that, and I want to look this up, that might be sort of a sequel to the Left 4 Dead series. That's coming on October 12th, which seems like an, a good time to do it. Uh, also, there's an Xbox mini fridge, apparently. I don't know exactly what that is, if it's really a real a refrigerator. Uh, of course, when I, I clicked in there, I'm on Xbox's YouTube page when I clicked over to try to see... Uh, is this going to be an Xbox exclusive, this game that I was just talking about, the Back for Blood? Maybe it is. Ah, uh, goodness. All right, but we got a Forza Horizon 5. There's a lot of stuff that uh, I think these are the a lot of Xbox exclusive that I'm where I'm looking at this. There's a Nerf Ultimate Championship coming next year. That's kind of fun. Uh, a Black Panther, of course, we already mentioned being introduced to the Marvel's Avengers in August. Yep, I think this page has everything I've already covered. So I'm going to move on. Well, we don't need to go to the trailer park because we already talked about Masters of the Universe, but we do have a TV review. So I'm going to hit this button. Mama, now the game. 
Yeah, see, I don't have a button for doing movie reviews uh, right now. Uh, I, I don't. I, I need to make a new sounder, I believe, for that. Uh, and we're not really doing a movie review. This is more of a TV review. And see, I've lost these sounders when I lost everything on the hard drive. <laughs> I didn't have them backed up. But, I, you know, if uh, hopefully sometime by the end of this month, I'll be able to send this to a friend of mine. And he thinks he might be able to save it. He's a, he's a tech guy. Uh, so I hope he will be able to get it to where it'll work again. And then I'm going to copy all these files over and, uh, you know, maybe have these things backed up somewhere. You know, a little bit better than I did before. But so, Loki. I've watched two episodes. I don't want to spoil the second episode so much for you. Although, it was one of the biggest premieres apparently Disney Plus has had. Because uh, we're all excited. We've been enjoying Tom Hiddleston playing the character of Loki. And it's been fun getting back to a Loki that is fresh off the first Avengers film and is still a villain. And he hasn't had all that character growth that we've seen uh, in Thor Ragnarok or in Thor The Dark World. Uh, I mean, we've seen him have a lot of character growth since then, and so now we're going back to him not having any. But it is interesting. He has gotten to see where the timeline is supposed to be of who he's become. And I do appreciate, I was worried uh, it was going to, like, he was just, oh, here, we're magically going to boing, and, you know, change him into the more heroic type of uh, Loki that we started to see in the end. And it's nice to see in the second episode he did not get changed into a more heroic Loki. He's still after his own ends, and you don't know if he's really going to be good or bad. He's still very much the anti-hero, but he's he's Loki being Loki, and that's what we love about him. And it's been a lot of fun in both of the episodes, uh, seeing him with the TVA and uh, the interesting mystery of who it is that he's hunting, who is causing problems within multiple time streams, and... Well, of course, I guess they're, they're trying to get all these time streams all together into one time stream is uh, sort of the premise of the TVA. But it's nice. It's, it's, it's kind of an interesting mystery because you don't know. It seems to be a version of Loki out there, but we don't know what the motivations of this other Loki, what they happen to be. Uh, and so it's going to be interesting watching this mystery unravel. I don't really want to say too much more other than that I'm enjoying it. It's very intriguing. It's not a very action-oriented type of series, uh, but it is very, very cool and very, very funny. Owen Wilson is just charming as Mobius. But I suppose we we really shouldn't be too surprised about that. You know, Owen Wilson is just being Owen Wilson. We just love him. You know, he's, he's Lightning McQueen. But yeah, it's been a very, very enjoyable series. Uh, I mean, and it's nice having these Marvel... Um, television series that are just the same production quality of a film. I mean, they're putting a lot of money into that and it's really, really, I think been worth it. And, uh, Oh my goodness. Uh, I've actually seen Marvel has some merchandise of the little time clock character. That's voiced by Tara strong. Oh my goodness. I think I need one of these t-shirts. That is really fun. They got coffee mugs and t-shirts. Oh, these are adorable and drinking things and socks. Oh my goodness. I'm going to be looking around like at a Walmart and Target and see if I can find some of the merchandise with that character. It's, it's this fun little clock character. Uh, and it's, uh, I love this 1930s style animated. It looks like something out of Cuphead. Uh, but I wanted to also bring in and talk about the comic book origins, versions, or how you want like to say, of some things you'll see in the show, like the Time Variance Authority or TVA. And I'm reading directly from Marvel.com. It says the Time Variance Authority is an agency concerned with monitoring realities throughout the multiverse and attempting to keep temporal interference to a minimum. They operate they operate from the null time zone dimension in which time cannot be interfered with and have a working relationship with time travelers such as Kang the Conqueror. Uh, I'm going to jump in here and say that, hey, that's kind of important because Kang the Conqueror, from what we've heard, will be the next big bad in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The TVA's highest authority is their director, Mr. Alternity. Beneath him are various administrators, such as an identical clone, including Mr. Mobius, M. Mobius, Mr. Ouroboros, Mr. Paradox, Mr. Tesseract. Oh, I guess and Mr. Tesseract. I'm sorry, I didn't read that very well. The TV use, TVA uses a virtual infinite number of chronomonitors, faceless men who sit before computers in the Hall of Chronometry that monitor every event of the timeline to which they have been assigned. There is a chronomonitor. That's a heck of a word. That's a chronomonitor for every timeline in existence, with one created every time a reality comes into being. When time travel or reality warps occur within their assigned reality, the chronomonitors alert the administrators through the tachyon impulses, and the administrators determine how to proceed. 
The TVA's warriors are the Minutemen, an army of soldiers produced via cloning and cybernetics and wearing suits of power armor. The Minutemen are led by the Justices, temporal patrol officers with the authority to time travel and solve the TVA's problems. The most well-known of their number is Justice Peace, who was once sent to Earth-616, that's the main Marvel Universe that we know, uh, to eliminate the murderous Zaniac. The TVA also employs various freelance operatives. The TVA has the power to discontinue timelines, virtually erasing them from history. They have also used their power to incarcerate time travelers such as Arno Stark, the Iron Man of Earth 8410, circa 2020 AD. The TVA once employed a band of robots called the Incinerators to help maintain the timelines, but the Incinerators took their mission too seriously, causing massive damage. The TVA released the incinerators from their service, but they continued in their mission, often opposed by Professor Justin Alphonse Gamble, a former TVA agent turned adventurer. Now, uh, this, they had a very complicated thing of how they came to be, uh, and it does involve like some timekeepers. that they, they actually, The timekeepers were kind of created out of a thing. I, I watched a video... Uh, which I, I really should remember on YouTube, the, the video. That he, this guy does a really good job of collecting history and shows you some of the comic books and tries to tell you a lot of the story of things. But I think that gives a lot of the, the basic information you need. There's a lot of more things on the Marvel website that you could read. Uh, so it, it goes on for a while, but it, I think it'd be boring for you if I just sat and read this whole thing to you. Besides, I have more stuff I want to get into. I thought it'd be fun to also dive in a little bit on... Loki, Prince of Asgard, Odin's son, rightful heir of Jotunheim, and god of mischief, is burdened with glorious purpose. His desire to be a king drives him to sow chaos in Asgard. In his lust for power, he extends his reach to Earth, where he believes they need a ruler and encounters unlikely heroes that interfere with his schemes. Let's read directly from Marvel's website, shall we? The ever-scheming Loki, raised as the son of King Odin and Queen Frigga of Asgard, is resentful of living in his brother Thor's shadow. Loki studied magical arts, earning the God of Mischief title, while his brother pursued physical prowess. Believing himself to be the rightful king of Asgard, Loki schemes to undermine the God of Thunder's ascension to the throne, desperate for his father's approval, and to be seen as an equal to Thor. During Thor's banishment to the realm Midgard, Odin revealed Loki's true parentage. Ages ago, Odin fought and defeated Lafay and the Frost Giants of Jotunheim in a great war. Abandoned and left for dead as a baby due to his diminutive size, Odin took Loki, his son, of Laufey. Uh, he took in Loki, a son of Laufey, yeah, to Asgard to raise him as his son and a prince in order to one day unite the Frost Giants and the Asgards in peace. Furious that he'd been lied to all his life and used as Odin's political pawn, instead of loved as his son, Loki set on several paths to prove his worth of the throne and superiority over Thor. Now, one thing I did find very interesting, uh, I, once again, also in the uh, the video, uh, you know, the guy on YouTube who goes through and he likes to go in a lot of history. And I think what I'm looking here, I'm, I'm looking at the on-screen version of Loki. I need to go look at in the comics. There we go. There we go. All right. Let's read his bio. But it went, when I go to the bio, it goes to his on-screen. The website that I thought I had for all this is not quite working out. So... There was a thing I did see on this video, and I, I really should remember the guy's name. He does a really good job of giving him some Marvel history. Loki, essentially, like a dead version of himself, came back and actually kind of guided Odin to find his baby self. So he actually kind of caused that to happen along the way. So this is kind of interesting. He kind of... He kind of caused himself to be this way. So, uh, let me read a little bit of now from the... I finally found the comics thing here. In his ongoing efforts to launch the start of Ragnarok, Loki joins forces with the mortal villain Norman Osborn, yet remains unsuccessful once again. At various times, Carnilla, the Norn Queen, has helped Loki get out of certain circumstances, but her love for Baldur get, often gets in the way. Amora, the Enchantress, stands alongside Loki in his numerous attempts at defeating his brother Thor. When the trickster unintentionally forms the Avengers, Amora is one of his chief pawns in exploring Thor's weaknesses while in the guise of human... Dr. Donald Blake. Um, and one thing also in the video that I had seen, uh, Hera in the in the MCU, we did see her you know, as the goddess of death. Uh, am, I, am I saying the name right? I believe it was Hera. But that's actually one of Loki's children. Loki has some children. Yes. And let me see if I can find that listed over here. Uh, 
Uh, I mean, Loki has been around a long time and done a lot of different schemes, and so it's hard to go through uh, finding all of this because, yeah, he did end up. Uh, no, 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 no. Wow. Okay. This I feel sounds very unprepared uh, because I I was looking at the wrong page this whole time that I'd read from. I didn't realize it was mainly going to focus on the cinematic version. Uh, so the there once again on the Marvel website you can read his entire history in comics, uh, and it's got a lot of different stories. Uh, let me I mean, jump in here. It says as, as a young child, Loki's pranks on his brother Thor were nothing short of vengeful. Knowing Thor was attracted to the golden-haired sword maiden Sif, Loki set out to cut off the young beauty's hair as she was sleeping. Assuming that Loki was responsible for the malicious act, Thor demanded he restore her hair. Now, part of that restoration, uh, he thought Loki. I remember seeing this in the video. Loki thought it would be uh, honorary of him to have give her black hair, but Thor actually liked. Sif better with the dark hair. So it backfired on him. Uh, here we go. Um, I think this is, yes, here we go. After using his magic to escape from jail, Loki proceeded to turn his back on Asgard and its people. Mating with the goddess Angerboda, they produced three offspring, Jormungand, the Midgard serpent, Fenris wolf, and Hela, that, that, yeah, I think I said it earlier, Hela, the goddess of death. Sticking to his wicked ways, Loki deceived the goddess Sign by posing as her true love, Theoric, and convinced her to marry him. So there it was. I knew he had, like, some, some children. I wanted to make sure I read that. Uh, but yeah, so that's... Some of the history of Loki. Uh, there's a lot of stories that could be told about it, and the, the Marvel website has a lot of information that really you could read up on Loki. But I wanted to talk a little bit about Loki and a little bit about the TVA to give you a little bit of backstory on what they're like in the comics. There's a whole lot of history on it, but I could spend the entire podcast talking about it, and I don't think you want to hear me reading to you the entire time. But if you do want to hear me read, hey, you know what? I'm I'm auditioning to read some audiobooks. <laughs> so, you know, uh, you can come and part, purchase one of these books if I actually get chosen to read some audiobooks. I will let you know how that works out. But I need to wrap this up here. So I thank you for listening. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, it's nice to actually have another episode out almost uh, within a week, you know, a little bit after a week from the last one because I've been kind of every two weeks. I want to get back to a weekly. Part of my brain has even thought it would be fun to do this as a daily thing, but I don't know that I really have that kind of time to daily have something to share with you. But it would be an awful lot of fun to, to do a daily format. But I, will wanna, I want to get back to that weekly format. Uh, remember, of course, we do have a Patreon page. You can find a link on our website, uh, neverlandpodcast.com or go to, go to patreon and slash neverlandpodcast course patreon.com uh, we really could use some backers uh, because I, money's very very tight right now we're kind of struggling uh, with you know ever, ever since COVID it, I have not fully gotten back to where I was before COVID happened and I don't know when I will be back but I'm, I'm working my way back but I could still use your help to you know I need your support really to keep this show going otherwise I may have to move this thing over to Anchor <laughs> and I don't know if you all want me to do that. It would be really complicated and messy. Uh, but I want to give some thank yous. You hear in our new opening, you hear Karen Kennedy, you hear Ricky Pope of Christian Nerds Unite, and Darren Wilhite of the Wilhite and Wall Show, which is a, I believe, nationally syndicated radio program. It's what we carry up in the radio station I work at in Cameron, Missouri. Uh, and I don't know that I have music really to queue up to start playing right about now, but this will be a good time to have some music as we out queue our out here. Make sure you come back next time. Tell your friends about the show. Make sure, hey, you know, we're on Twitter at Neverland PCAST. I don't get a lot of stuff I do on Twitter, but Facebook, Facebook, we have a fan page and a group for you to join that you can come and interact with me and other members of the show. Mainly me, though, because <laughs> I, I seem to post up there more often. We're getting another fellow who keeps posting in the group, uh, sharing some interesting stuff. Of He's uh, going into Disney parks and doing some fun things, and he's been sharing with us in the group. So it's definitely worth coming and joining. Oh, you can also leave us a voicemail, 816-226-6492. And, of course, the, the Neverlanders uh, on our website, you can join us officially become an official Lost Boy or Pixie. You just got to be able to pick out a nickname. Uh, so yes, come and check us out in all our different places and come back next week. And once again, I feel like I have to explain it, but hey, you know, get lost in an adventure and find yourself. We'll see you next time.
Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.